how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. What is up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley here with The Scale Up Show. Excited to go through the three enterprise sales strategies that grows from zero to 30 million ARR in less than six years with only four salespeople without marketing. So going through this today, I'm going to break these down for you because I wish I would have known these. Uh, I had to discover them, which was the beautiful thing that I talked about on that journey on the last episode. However, there was a lot of pain and heartache along the way. However, once I figured it out from a smooth sailing perspective, uh, it got really easy and I'm excited to share this with you and I, it's something that I share with my clients and really help them walk through on how to make this a reality in their business. Because like I said, founders are a combination of what I would say is a mythical creature, a rock star, and a superhero. So I, I think I'm going to get some shirts made on that, but that's what I think founders and revenue leaders are, okay? So what I'm going to go through today are the foundations for enterprise sales in terms of go-to-market. This also works for mid-market. So mid-market enterprise sales go-to-market foundations. You can apply this to those different components and you're going to have the same massive benefits. So which which makes sense if you think about it because essentially sales, and now granted, enterprise sales has, has more tentacles to it. There's a lot more detail involved in bringing those big deals across the line. However, the core foundations, I believe, are the same. And I'm not talking about some general sales methodology. I'm talking about these three core sales go-to-market foundations. So I'm going to get over that today. So number one, I would call this segmenting. Segmenting, okay? And that's what I would call the PCP, not ICP, not ideal customer profile, and you're going to want to write this down. These are these are writer downers. Writer downers, right? So segmenting, that's that's PCP. That's a perfect customer profile. I'm going to get into what that is. So how many of you have heard of Snowflake? Have you heard of Snowflake at all? Snowflake had literally the largest IPO in history. I think they're ranked rated as a $70 billion company. Warren Buffett essentially didn't invest in any IPOs for 50 years and bought $250 million in stock. So it just shows how strong they are. Now, one of the things that Snowflake did that I did at the time with with a a minor twist before Snowflake was even on my radar, I never heard of them, but it was more just the core basics was Snowflake really took this method to, to move up market continuously. So what they were doing is they wanted to continually increase the size that their customers were spending while also increasing the speed in which they got those customers. So speed and size, speed and size, speed and size, right? And so what they do is they look at their their 50 deals that you know the the I should say the 50 new customers that they add that are the biggest deal size every year and they look at the 50 fastest deals that they got every year. So it's a 50 by 50 method. And I what you're thinking, you're like, "Ryan, I don't have 100 new customers that I add every year." Or maybe you do. If you do, that that's awesome. You definitely want to trim the number down because this needs to be in scope. But what I would say is very, very simply, if you're below 100 million in revenue, you could easily start with a five by five by five method. And you know, I had someone on on a call the other day share with me. They're like, "Hey Ryan, we only have 10 million in revenue. 
I don't know this would work. We don't have a ton of data. The data is there. If you have 10 million in revenue, the data is there. The data is there if you even have a million in, in revenue. The data is there even if you have a half a million in revenue. So what I call is the five by five by five method. Okay. And so instead of looking at just the five biggest and the five or the five biggest and the five fastest, which that's what you do. You look at your five biggest wins, your five fastest wins. And then you also look at your five biggest losses. Okay. So those are the deals at the, the largest revenue size in terms of losses. And what you do and you stack those and you look at it. If you only have one year of history, look over the last year, if you have multiple years, look over the last two years. And what's going to happen is you're going to see patterns. And it, it's kind of like when you do this, it's kind of like if ICP, your ideal customer profile or insane clown posse and the Pareto principle, which is the 80, 20 rule had a baby together, right? So it's like an 80, 20 ICP baby, which equals your PCP. You're like, Ryan, what the hell does that mean? Okay. Here's another way for me to explain to you. It's kind of like, you know how there's the NFL draft or the major league baseball draft or NBA draft, whatever way you want to look at it. So these professional teams have drafts every year and they have amazing athletes that get drafted at all. However, they have the peak, 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 most highest probability to succeed athletes that are drafted in the first round. Okay. That's based on scouting reports, based on metrics. It's based on results so far. So if you do this, if you do this exercise, and it takes a little bit of time, but if you do this exercise, instead of having a combination of first round, second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round picks in your pipeline, you'll have all first round picks in your pipeline because you're targeting the companies that close in the fastest amount of time and they're the biggest deals. And so what'll happen is we went from average deal sizes of 30K a year to started to get, you know, towards the end. I mean, we were getting deals that were six, 7 million, 20 million. And so what happens is it allows you to scale up continuously fast and by, by closing deals faster, but closing bigger deals. Okay. So that could be the difference between a company staying in business or not. That could be the difference between you getting a round of funding or bootstrapping. It could be the difference between a revenue leader hitting their big bonus, or it could be the difference between you getting fired, right? So these are these are the implications, and I want to share this with you because most people skip over this, but it's so core, okay? And these are this is the lens of, of six kind of questions you could ask as you're going through that process to, to identify the patterns. And I, I go through this deeper with my private clients, and so, but I'll, I'm going to share this with you today. The top six are what were the ownership structures? What were the verticals they were in? What is the decision-making structure? Why did they buy? What trigger events occurred? And what was their revenue? Okay. So I'm going to say this again. So this is this is how you segment this. You're going to, this is a writer downer, as I mentioned before. But what were the ownership structures? And what I mean by that, are they private equity owned? Are they venture capital owned? Are they publicly traded? There's all different motivators in there based on the ownership structure. That's the invisible force that influences every single C-level executive in the business, okay? At the same time, then it's like, what verticals? Different verticals have different pressures. Healthcare might have HIPAA pressures or regulatory pressures on that and security. PHI, personal health information. Retail has pressures in terms of profitability. 
tight margins, e-commerce, right? And then you look at legal has different pressures in terms of confidentiality as well. So there's different vertical pressures. And then you look at the decision-making structure. How did each decision get done? All right, especially in the fast-moving deals. What was the trigger event that made them move faster? That gets them, why do they buy? Was there a merger? Was there a consolidation? Were they acquired? Were they acquiring? Was it all organic? What happened that made them pull the trigger? For example, you see in mergers where companies merge with another organization and they publicly declare, we're going to get $500 million in cost efficiencies from this. What do you think their top priority is? It's cost savings, right? So they hit that number. All right. Next thing you're looking at, what trigger events occurred? I just mentioned that. What's a trigger event? Is it is it a digital transformation? Are, are, do they have a, because they got acquired by a private equity company or made an investment made in them, are they now required to increase revenue by 25% without adding headcount? These are the type of triggers that have a big impact. And then looking at it on the customer side, we are talking about triggers. Okay, so let me think of another one. I'm thinking of another one on the fly here. So with customers, maybe it's because their, their churn, they're losing customers left and right, and they need to find a way to offset that fast, right? So they're, they're, they're losing customers. Or they have a new product that they introduced, and that's the reason. So those are all different factors that you kind of look in. But like ask the question, what trigger events occurred? What, what events occurred that made them do that? And number six is what was their revenue? Okay, so then you could start to get segmentation in terms of small, medium, large, and how that's kind of changing throughout the environment. Okay, so that's one. So I'm going to move it on. Next thing is basically the evaluation or the solution messaging or the solution positioning. So how decisions are made, particularly big decisions in big companies or in big decisions in small companies are there's four criteria, and you're going to write this one down too. It's results, certainty of outcome, time, and work, okay? Results and certainty, time and work. And I'm going to get into that a little bit here. So the magic equation is what's the big result, which is what most people focus on, which is, which is fine. But if everybody focuses on that, how do you differentiate your solution? We are going to achieve, you know, we, we basically achieve 25% savings. We increase revenue 15%. We increase churn or reduce churn by 20%. 100%, whatever the number is, there's that metric that needs to be tangible, which is the big result. That's why people are paying you. What's the tangible financial metric that your solution's delivering for the problem that they have? Okay, I can go I can go way deep down on this, but I'm not going to for purposes of time. I do that in, in some of my private courses that I provide, but I, I can't do that now. So the big result, and then you're gonna want to add the big result with certainty and certainty of outcome. That means the confidence that they're gonna execute on it. That could be through that could be through testimonials, that could be through uh, um, basically how you act during the sales process, how your team acts during the sales process, if you follow through on what you say you're gonna do. So those are the two big ones on top. Now, those you wanna increase the result and certainty as much as possible. And, and by the way, this is something that I did when I 
just like the, the PCP method I talked about, Snowflake. However, I did that on my own uh, with the management team before I even knew Snowflake existed. And this is a situation, same thing. I did the solution messaging on my own, and then I read a book called The $100 Million Offer by Alex Ramosi, and he identifies it in this equation format. So result plus certainty, and then you divide it by time to result. So like how fast can they get a result? And then how much work and effort are they going to need to put in to make it a reality? So you want to increase the size of the result and you want to increase the amount of certainty they have while decreasing the time that it takes to get the result and decreasing the work and effort on their end. Prime example, we were in a managed services play at my old organization. And one of the things that was game changing is we found a way to reduce. We had the same big result that... The market had. However, the big difference with ours is we could implement in a month and it might take four to five months to implement the competitor solution with way more work and effort and hassle. So even though we had less testimonials, less social proof, they went with us because they were really, really excited about the factor of they didn't have to put a lot of time and effort in there. Okay. So that's number two. Number three, we are going to talk about, and you're going to write, want to write this one down too, the sales operating system, the enterprise sales operating system, or you can call it the mid-market operating system. Basically, it's your sales operating system. Most companies have an operating system that runs all their computers, their software, their hardware. However, they don't have that for the revenue of the company. And if you don't have that, you're going to be in disarray. And so I wrote down three core sales operating systems that every company should have if they want exponential growth. And I'm gonna walk you through those right now. That's if you wanna hear them. And these were the ones that we leveraged to grow from that zero to 30 million ARR uh, with such a small team. Okay, so number one is what I call that whale scale operating system. And the number one focus that is of that is the customer deal value. It's net new customer acquisition and customer deal value. So how do we continue to acquire customers while also basically escalating the deal size. So think of it, think of it as like a, a, it's going up like this, right? More of an exponential growth versus an incremental growth. You know, where it's more of a flat line that's gradually inclining. We're talking that hockey stick growth. And the way to do that, and by the way, uh, as a precursor, I'm going through the sales operating system. I'm not gonna go through a marketing operating system and demand gen. However, there's pieces of that included in here. But just as a precursor, I wanted to let you know that. So for the whale scale, basically, there are three components to it. There's the strategy, the process, and then the execution. And so really, that's what, what you need to do to execute on that is you need to look at, essentially, what is your overall strategy when you're dealing with the, the customer lifecycle and how to interact with all the different people and parts. So that's the strategy component. The process is what you do on your side of the sales process and align that with the buyer's process. So that's first appointment, needs assessment, demo, strategy meeting, proposal, going through that, right? And then the execution is you need to have a script. And what I mean by script are not just statements, but more so questions that are thought-provoking questions that give and enable your customer to do your presentation for you at each one of those steps in the process, okay? So that's what you need to apply with the perfect customer profile that I mentioned. So 
that's the framework around the operating system of whale scaling, but the lens and the targets that you have are your perfect customer profiles. And that's what's really going to drive that big customer year-over-year growth where average deal sizes keep scaling. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is what I call expansion scale operating system, and that's going to be focused on customer lifetime value. I see this mistake so many times. Companies will spend so much time acquiring a customer, and then they don't have a design process after they get that customer to, to do three things. They don't have a design process to upsell them, provide continuous value, and get continuous customer testimonials. So by doing that, you look at, okay, once we get a customer sold through the whale scale operating system, how do we take this to the next level and have a design review process where it's it's done on a continuous basis with clients while also providing value, growing and having and offering other solutions while at the same time, you know, getting ratings from them that could be on G2 or other rating sites that'll help your, your social expansion. So that's number two. Number three, and last but not least, I absolutely love this one, is the referral scale operating system or the referral operating system. The referral operating system is beautiful because you're leveraging the hard work that you've, you've put in place with two foundational elements of the whale scale and the expansion. And what you're starting to do is harvest net new customer acquisition from them. And here's what I mean. Customer to customer referrals is what I'm talking about. The beautiful thing is the outcome of, of making this systemized is essentially what happens is they, oh, this is beautiful. They basically are, customer. my customers are starting to see they're closing deals in half the amount of time, okay, half the amount of time. And on top of it, they are also closing deals that are 125, 150% bigger without competition. How beautiful is that? And so what that what's that do, what it'll do is it provide leads for life. So every new customer you have or turn will turn into two or three other new customers. And this was like Tesla essentially ran this and they're on version nine of a customer referral program. And they added, I think it was a third of their model S sales were just from referrals. You look at a company like Dropbox and 35% of their, their month over month growth was from referrals. So basically those are the three core operating systems. And if you look at this, this not only applied when I grew from zero to 30 million, but then it also applies. And if you look at it, there's it, what happens is it increased the de deal size. Like I was talking from 30 to 70 K ARR to all the way up to 720 K to 7.2 million. Okay. That's a hundred percent increase. So that's on the whale scale side. And then you look at the, the second two about the expansion, there's a company called Palantir that basically they they have a 36% a, a grow, growth in terms of the number of new customer spend that they have, or I'm sorry, existing customer spend. So the beautiful thing about that is every customer they have spends 36% more year over year with them. So imagine not only are they growing up in terms of the front end, they have the growth mechanism, but on the back end, they have the growth mechanism. And then you get into the referral process where companies like Slack got 97% of their market share from that. Tesla had a third of their Model S sales and Uber even got 95% of their sales from that. So that's all I'm going to go over with you today. I wanted to break that down for you because as you're looking at the foundational elements that are absolutely critical 
to creating that revenue machine, that oxygen for your business, that sales machine. These are these are the three sales operating systems that I would stack and look at through the, the solution messaging as well as the perfect customer profile. And that'll give you the foundation to start really, really growing fast without requiring a ton of staff, a ton of resources. And it's absolutely beautiful, the results I've experienced it firsthand. And the more I looked at it, I've seen other companies leverage pieces of this. So super happy to have you on the show today. If you enjoy this, please review this, share this with a friend, share it on social. The only way that I could help more people get out of the rat race of revenue is by learning these principles and growing. And so I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.